The message today is one of commanding hope, coming from the book of 1 Peter, chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, and verse 13 as the key verse. It's 1 Peter, chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, reserved in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power for the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Verse 13. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be sober-minded. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Are you filled with hope in the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ? All of God's people should be filled with the same hope of eternal life bought with the precious blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But let's look at verse 13 again. It says to set your hope fully on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ, to set hope fully on God's promise and nothing else. It does not say that we cannot hope for other things, but rather we cannot place our hope in or on anything else. There is quite a difference between hoping in something and hoping for something. I hope for peace, and I hope for an end to the tyranny and the spirit of fear and chaos that has gripped the world. But I cannot set my hope on any of those things. Neither can you. Nor can we place our hope in bank accounts or insurance policies or employers. I hope you have all those things in abundance, but someday all those things will let you down. We can and rightly do hope and pray for the outcome of the next election to turn things around. But we cannot hang our hope on the next election. The hymnist got it right with that old hymn. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame but wholly lean on Jesus' name. We are children of hope, not in the things of the world, but in the promises of God, our Father. And the devil is furious about it. I repeat that. We're hoping and dancing, and he is furious. Like everything else that is precious to a a child of God, Satan wants to steal your hope. The Apostle Paul, or the Apostle Peter rather, he knows this all too well. And so he blessed us with this instruction that's on the screen today. There are many reasons why the devil wants to steal your hope. Many. And, I, and so this is not going to be an exhaustive list that I'm showing you today. 
But today, my first point picks up from Pastor Andy's last point in, in his message last week. The first reason that came to my mind why the devil wants to rob you of your hope is Hebrews 6, 19. Hope is the anchor for your soul. A soul without an anchor drifts with the current and is driven along by the storm. Hey, there's a storm out there. It's, you, it's like watching souls being driven in the wind when we, when we look at the TV or when we walk out and see what's happening to people today. There's plenty of turbulence all around in our country and around the world. If the devil can snap the tether that binds your soul to your hope, then he's a step closer to shipwrecking the peace in your heart, which has sadly happened to so many. But not so for those who trust fully in the hope in the world to come. Hope is a source of abiding joy and peace. Those two things are fruit of the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, in the list, love, joy, and peace. Hope is a source for abiding peace and joy. I like how the Apostle Paul, or the Holy Spirit, working through Paul, brings all of those elements together in one verse. Hope, peace, joy, and Holy Spirit. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Isn't that a wonderful verse? Are you abounding in hope? If you're a follower of Jesus, you have every reason to be abounding in hope today. As a matter of fact, I would expect you to be abounding in hope. If you're not a follower of Christ, I urge you, anyone within the sound of my voice, both here and on a recording, I urge you, if you feel the Lord calling, answer Him today. You can leave here today knowing that your hope is secured for all eternity. It's priceless. And if the Lord's talking to you today, don't put it off until tomorrow. He may not. Tomorrow may not be an opportunity. The Lord doesn't guarantee it. Are you abounding in hope? Hope pleases God. Psalm 147, 11. The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear Him, in those who hope in His steadfast love. Hey folks, did you catch that? Your hope pleases God. Our hope then should be full. We should have plenty of hope if it pleases God. Suppose that you have a hopeometer. I, that, I, yeah, I trademarked that, so don't, don't go run with that. Suppose you have a hopeometer, 
that range from zero to 10 of how much of your hope is placed on the future glory and how much is placed somewhere else? How do you score? Are you a seven? Peter says you should be a 10. How are you doing on your hopeometer? Now, I'm not going to get a show of hands for 10s and 5s. And is there any 2s out there? Don't worry about that. You know in your heart because the Holy Spirit is talking to your heart about your hope today. And the good news is, if you can hear the Holy Spirit, then your hope should go right up to a 10. That's right. But the number one reason... Probably the chief reason why the devil wants to mess with your hope and steal it from you is because your hope is intertwined with your faith. Your hope is intimately connected with your faith. And if you're not used to blessed life in our bulletins, um, we have blanks in our bulletin points, so you'll see this is near the top of yours. And the clue is italics and underline. And we try to do our best, but we don't always fit the form, so you'll forgive us. But uh, that is your, top, your first bullet point today. Your hope is intimately connected with your faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says that faith is the assurance of things hoped for. 1 Corinthians 13.13. 13, These three remain. Faith hope, and love. And 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, tells us that God glorified Jesus so that your faith and hope are in God. Faith and hope are interconnected tightly. Faith is the core of the Christian walk, and hope is like a ring of defense around that core. If Satan can take away your hope, then he's laid bare your faith and he's going to start tampering with that. And without faith, you cannot please God. He's a wily one. He is. He's strategic. And he's got his sights set on your hope. For the Christian... Hope is our inspiration. For the devil, it is a source of desperation. He is subtle and persistent, and he's desperate. You've all seen a, a, a wild animal if you corner it, what's going to happen? Well, that's how he feels about your hope this morning. That's why hoping fully on the grace that would be brought to you is not merely a good suggestion it is a command. John Piper, Peter David, scholars, evangelists study these words and they come to this. It's Peter's first command, says John Piper. Peter David says the initial command is to place your hope totally on the return of Christ and its results. If we take a look at that verse where you are right now on your device and in your printed paper Bible, look at verse 13. 
I don't care what English translation you're reading today. I checked them all. There's no suggestion. It's a direction. Peter is giving a direction. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given to you. It's not him just urging, but telling. The technical term in Greek for that language construction is aorist imperative. In simple English, it is a command. To hope fully on the grace to come at the revelation of Jesus Christ is an apostolic command. It is not optional. We are children of God, and we are to obey His apostles' commands. This is because placing our hope on anything beside the promise of God is like a child reaching for a hot stove. Good parents set boundaries. They do not need to reason with their child when it comes to playing with fire. They give a clear, simple command that allows no wiggle room for misunderstanding. Yet sadly, there are many who have taken this verse lightly and have gotten spiritually and psychologically burned. The, our, Lord can, our Lord will heal you. But why go through the pain? Rather first, let's just make up our minds as obedient children, if you look at verse 14, as obedient children to obey the commands of God. For His commands are not... They're not burdening. Amen? Got awfully quiet. Oh, that, I saw that look on your face, Bill. All right. Well, I'm glad now it's explained to me. So, okay. Now, feel free to shout if you want to, because that's probably what I'm going to end up doing. All right. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Y'all don't have to learn to speak Greek to, to trust your English Bible. I guarantee you can trust it. There's no worries there. But it's really nice if you can uh, peel back that layer and, and take a look underneath at the original language. To set your hope fully, that word fully in Greek is teleos. And teleos is a cognate or related term to the word to telestai, at that underlined portion. To telestai, Jesus' last word on the cross recorded in John 19 and 30, it is finished. But I cannot tell you how much to telestai means. To telestai means done to perfection, perfect ending, and paid in full. Anyone in that world that heard that word would have known that he was saying it couldn't, get, it couldn't have been done any better than this. Jesus' last word from the cross. It's with that kind of passion that we're supposed to play out and hold out our hope on the glory that's coming to us. All of it. That same passion Hold out 
to the very end. But someone say, how? How can I do it? That's a pretty tall order. Well, I know this one thing about the God that we serve. If our God calls upon us to do a thing, then He's already equipped us to do that thing. Amen? He's not going to call you to put all of your hope, put it all, all your chips, onto that future if He's not already equipped you to make up your mind and to stand on that decision 110%. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's give God a hand clap today. How do we do it? Well, it's mental. It's mental. It's psychological. Do you remember everywhere in Scripture, in Ephesians, Paul, or, yeah, Paul talks about the armor, and he says, our battle's not with flesh and blood. It's not with the things that you can see and touch. It's in the heart. It's in the mind. It's in the spirit. It's in the soul. It's invisible. But it's real. That's, that's the dimension that we're talking about today. So, how do we do it? Last week, Pastor Andy's first point was you have to see it before you can achieve it. This week, when it comes to your eternal hope, you have to meditate on it until you can feel it. You have to meditate on it until you can feel it. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, No eye has seen, no ear heard, no heart has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. It sounds impossible to imagine it then. It says it's unimaginable. The place that Jesus has prepared for us is mind-blowing. It's beyond the furthest stretch of the human imagination. But imagine we must. And why is that? Well, here's why. Because this place, this world that we live in, is corrupted. It's defiled. And it's perishing. But praise God, we have a living hope in Jesus Christ. And that is our inheritance, and it's undefiled, it's eternal, and it's secure. Praise the Lord this morning. We have to meditate on it until we can feel it. Revelation 7, 9, and 10, that plays out like a movie trailer, and I can tell you, you're not going to want to miss this one. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and He will dwell with them. They will be His people, and God Himself will be with them as their God. Hallelujah. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more, or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the former things have passed away. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. God wants us to meditate on this until we can feel it. And that's exactly what Bart Millard of Mercy Me did. 
in his quadruple platinum single, 2.5 million, number one top-selling Christian single of all history. God rewards those who hope in him. Bart Miller put his hope in the Lord and he wrote these words that have inspired and maybe brought countless thousands to the Lord. Surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will it dance for you, Jesus, or in awe of you be still? Will I stand in your presence or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? I can only imagine. Hallelujah and praise God this morning. Amen. Amen. Let's give God another hand clap. He's so good to us. Your hope is precious. Your hope is precious. And there is an unseen spiritual battle raging right now. That was my next note, Pam. I was going to say, that's right. And then I was going to repeat it. (laughs) We'll do it again. There is... A war raging for your hope. Yes, that's right. A war is raging for your hope this morning. You must actively defend it. You must actively defend it. Many English translations will read like mine, Berean Study Bible that I was using this morning or yours, probably say, prepare your mind for action. But I prefer the King James and New King James here. Gird up the loins of your mind. I, I prefer it because it preserves the old Israelite idiom that means, get ready for a fight. Prepare for hard work. Gird up the loins of your mind. Imagine a imagine a lab coat for a scientist that comes to here. It's an outer garment. And then all of a sudden that he and he's, he's got it buttoned and, 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 and all this stuff. But then he needs to get out. Someone yells fire. And he's got this lab coat to his knees, but he needs to sprint as hard as he can. To gird up would be to pick up that lab coat like the Israelites wore an outer cloak, pick it up, roll it back over, and tuck it in the belt. Then your legs are unfettered, and you can run, or you can can fight. Right? That's the idiom for, hey, put up your dukes. Gird up your loins. But these aren't the loins of your legs. These are the loins of your mind. Roll up the sleeves of your mind. Clear the baggage out of your mind. Amen? Amen. Well, the mind that's girded for action is not impeded by doubt or fear 
or this present darkness, to borrow a phrase from Christian fiction writer uh, Peretti. The mind that's girded for action is not impeded by doubt, fear, or this present darkness. Amen? We have a sound mind. Somebody say it. I have a sound mind. I have a sound mind. Amen. Just keep reminding yourself all the time. But you know, our go-to is always God's Word. And God's Word is filled with biblical mind girders. You can't turn anywhere without finding some source of encouragement and strength in the Bible. So I've only picked a few because they're my favorites and I was the one asked to make the message today. So that's, that's why those end up on the slide. That's how it works. That's how it works. All right. So in uh, these biblical mind girders, Philippians chapter 4, 6 through 8, and I think the bulletin says 7 through 8, and you want to add 6, I think that'd be good for you. Um, but it says, if we give all our worry over to God, that God in exchange will give us peace that surpasses all human understanding. And the peace of God will guard our hearts and our minds. It's like having spiritual guardrails, girders for your brain, girders for your spirit, and girders for your hope. Amen? Romans 12. Do not... Romans 12, 1 and 2. Do not be conformed to this world of worry and woe, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Clearly, a mental reset or a reprogramming is required for God's people. In some ways... Preparing your mind for action is like a software update that you get on your phone or your computer. Reading God's Word is like a continuous spiritual and mental download, strengthening your mind. Amen? Amen. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 11 through 18. Put on the whole uh, armor of God. It's a full spiritual armament. Well, you've got a shield of faith and a helmet of salvation and a sword of the Holy Spirit, which is the Word of God. He's left nothing out, and He's provided everything. Amen? All right. Well, if you act on these verses now, I'm going to throw in this additional fourth verse absolutely free. Do you all agree to act on the first three? Then this fourth one's free. No extra charge. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 and 5 says, The weapons of our warfare are not the weapons of the world. Instead, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. That's your worry. That's your dysfunction. We tear down arguments and every presumption that's set up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. I, I'm marveling at something that I hear over and over. 
So please listen patiently. I hear this verse and people say, it's impossible to do that. Again, that verse wasn't an option. It was a direction. Take every thought and make it obedient to Christ. God called us to do it. Don't say we can't do it. If God called us to do it, He's equipped us to do it. If we don't do it, it's not because of God. It's because of our unbelief. So we have work to do. We can do it. It's a spiritual, necessary mind girder. We can take our thought and make it obedient to Christ. Praise the Lord this morning. Now, we know we have power and authority. We, we can trample on the lion and the serpent. We can call the things that are not as though they are. We have power and authority. Have you ever seen anyone drunk on power and authority? We have to think carefully about how we use our power and authority today. Be sober-minded, the apostle tells us. Be sober-minded. So, on the Greek word nepho, be sober-minded, it talks about a, a, a spiritual drunkenness. We cannot afford to be intoxicated on our own power. So yes, God has given us much. You know, James and John, they were nicknamed the Sons of Thunder. Do you remember that? They were nicknamed that because they were willing to call down fire to consume human beings who insulted Jesus. Yeah? They weren't being very sober-minded. They're about to send some folks off to eternity, right? With a hot bottom and a hot top. All right. We have power to cast down strongholds, not people. I'll say it again. We have power to cast down strongholds, not people. So we have to be very cautious. And that's why the word sober-minded is used here. A sober mind is a sound mind. Say it. I have a sound mind. Tell yourself every day, over and over, I have a sound mind. You know, the, the last week's message, the point was made when you meditate on a thing, it's not just think deeply about that thing, but you say that thing out loud. When you meditate on God's Word, say that word aloud. Oh, there's times when you just meditate in your heart, but you need to speak them out loud. God says you have a sound mind. I say, I have a sound mind. My mind lines up with the Word of God every time. And I declare it on myself all the time. You have a sound mind. Amen. Praise God and hallelujah. You know, to be sober-minded as a fisherman, Peter had no doubt he had witnessed the chaos and harm 
that was caused by a drunken shipmate. There's danger at sea, and a drunken shipmate is your enemy. He knew firsthand the importance of being sober-minded on the job. It's no different for fishers of men than it is for fishermen. We can't afford to be drunk on the job. And I'm talking about a spiritual drunkenness, not the physical one. A sober mind and self-control are necessary and critical to our mission. However, one need not be intoxicated in order to be impaired, nor drunk in order to be distracted. Yes, we may be headed in the right direction. We have the right destination plugged into the GPS. But how easy it is to become distracted along the way. There's lots of places that you want to pull off. Watch your livestock in the road. Is it, is it your bank account? Is it your belly? Is, it, is all of your hope on whether or not Joe Biden remains president or not? Mine's not. My hope's in God. I'm always going to go to the top if I can. And praise God, Jesus bought me away to the top in His own blood. Amen. I can approach that throne boldly in Jesus' name, and my Father's going to listen to everything I have to say about Joe Biden. And we're supposed to be praying, as Bill uh, pointed out in our prayer message today. Jesus warned us. <clears throat> he said, watch yourselves or your hearts will be weighed down by dissipation, drunkenness, and the worries of life. And that day will spring upon you suddenly like a snare. There's obstacles in the road, people. Jesus said that a lot of time the obstacle in the road is our own disobedience and our own worry our own lusts and desires, and those are the opposite of hope. So we find <clears throat> that just as we need biblical mind girders, we also need biblical mind sharpeners. I tried going with the label biblical mind sober upperers, but well, you can see why the biblical mind sharpeners, uh, they won out. The key to biblical mind sharpeners is meditation. Which last week, as I mentioned before, Pastor Andy explained, is to think deeply about and to speak out loud. Make meditation on God's Word a way of life because... Meditation on God's Word is the source for a sound and sober mind. Meditation on God's Word is the source for a sound and sober mind. Peter says, Be sober-minded and alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking 
someone to devour. But if you know God's word, then you already know that you have authority to trample on that lion. Amen? Amen. Let's praise God for that. Thank you, Lord, for your power and glory. Thank you, Lord, my God. Sound mind defeats the devil every time. You do have a sound mind. Say it again. I have a sound mind. Praise God. You know, Joshua, when he was about to go into battle, the Lord told him in Joshua 1.8, he said, this book of the law must not depart from your mouth. Get that? From your mouth. He's supposed to keep saying it. Meditate on it day and night, he said, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it, for then you will prosper and succeed in everything you do. In everything you do. Psalm 119, 23, 78, 97. The psalmist over and over and over expounds on the goodness of meditating on God's Word. When I meditate on God's Word, I don't care if someone insults me. What matters to me is what God says about me. I'm the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. Go ahead, insult me all you want. God's Word trumps every time. Psalm 119, 78. The rulers are against me. I don't care. I'm going to meditate on God's Word because God's Word says I'm victorious. What are they going to do? I have an eternal hope, and that's what I'm standing on. If you have your uh, Bibles or ready to go, I'd like to go over to Psalm 148. Or I'm sorry, Psalm 119, verse 148 and 52. I didn't know they made verses that big, but they do. Psalm 119, verse 148 through 152. And we get ready to start closing here. My eyes anticipate the watches of night that I may meditate on your word. Hear my voice, O Lord, according to your loving devotion. Give me life according to your justice. Those who follow after wickedness draw near. They are far from your law. You are near, O Lord. Oh, praise God. And all your commandments are true. Praise His holy name. Long ago I learned from your testimony that you have established them forever. God's Word is eternal. Our final destination is eternal and absolute. We are commanded, and rightly so, to hope fully on the additional grace that's already on its way. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. But you know, our hope, our hope is not a pie in the sky, wishful thinking hope like we get accused of. There's nobody here today that's going to deny that we're in this present reality. We breathe the same air that everybody else does. 
It's the same news, if you want to call it that, for everybody. They're all catching it if that's what they're paying attention to. We're not denying reality. I can assure you, I, I live in a world that's more real than I can possibly explain. This present reality is part of that reality, but it's not the only reality that there is. The reality that we see can only be seen through eyes of faith and hope. And that's the hole that got punched into this present reality by Jesus Christ when He came to this world, spent His time here, lived a perfect life, got up on a cross and died for your sins to give you hope. He punched into the fabric of this present reality. And there's an opportunity right now and forevermore for every one of us to go on through and to see on through and we see through that portal that's made by Jesus Christ. He's our Lord and our Savior. Our hope lies not on the present reality, but rather it rests securely on God's ultimate reality. Peter said, if anyone asks you about the hope living within you, Always be ready to explain your faith. Peter said elsewhere that the day of the Lord will come like a thief and the heavens will disappear with a roar and the elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth in its works will be laid bare and every unbelieving soul will be trapped. That trumpet's going to blast one day. And this world will have stranded all those that have not put their trust in Jesus Christ. But if we live out our life, our hope, and we display our hope in front of the world, they're going to want what we have. And we're going to point them to our Lord Jesus Christ. They're going to say, what's wrong with you guys? And when they do, we're going to be able to tell them everything that's right the only thing that's right, the only thing that matters. My hope rests fully on the promise of God bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Hey, we have every reason to be hopeful today and we've got to keep our hope alive, not just for ourselves, but for all of those that are devoid of hope. We share our hope with them today. Praise God and hallelujah this morning. Amen. I'm going to close us in prayer.